Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I'm joined today by a special co-host, Mr. Robert Hutton, a good friend of the Catholic Cafe. Robert, how are you doing? Hey, Deacon Jeff, doing just great. Well, that's fantastic. Now, we have something really cool going on, Robert. We do. Yeah, we are actually not in the same corner booth that we're normally sitting in. We're a little bit east of that corner booth. (laughs) That's exactly right. We have actually found our way to France. And so this is now the French Catholic Cafe, I guess you could say. Yeah, we, we. And so we have taken the Catholic Cafe on the road, as it were, and we're opening up a a French, little, a true French cafe. We're in Lourdes, so that's a wonderful opportunity for us uh, to be here. And uh, we also have a wonderful guest today with us, and that's Mr. Frank Ryan. He's a retired colonel from the Marines. Uh, so should we salute at this point? Or uh, you... Absolutely not, Deacon Jeff and yeah. Robert. We're, we're, we'll do away with that one at this point. I'm now retired. Well, I appreciate that. Now, but you have a, you have a, a lot of stuff that you've been involved in. We're, we're thinking about today, we're going to talk a little bit about just the whole concept of Christian charity, charitable giving, and how that plays into our lives. But we thought you'd be a great guest on this particular topic because tell us some of the stuff that you did, especially involving uh, like world economies and things like this that kind of brings a lot of uh, – interesting financial aspect to this whole idea of charitable giving. Well, Deacon Jeff, I and Robert, I've had a great chance over my lifetime to spend a lot of time internationally. Uh, the Marine Corps has been pretty decent about sending me to some pretty unique places. Uh, it wasn't the Marine Corps that sent me to Lourdes, but uh, I, I've been over to Bosnia, Bulgaria, Romania, Slovenia, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, and those types of things. And I'm an expert in economic warfare, which is not something you normally think the Marines I would get into. I never heard that term until you said it to me, and I thought, well, that he sounds like a dangerous guy. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? It's dangerous in the sense that I can probably balance somebody's checkbook. Isn't that sad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you do. You know, at, at the heart of it, though, you're a really fancy CPA. Is that right? Uh, well, in, in civilian life, I am a CPA. That's, Very good. Which stands for I couldn't pass it again, <laughs> but uh, we, we won't get into that either. But uh, what we do is it's kind of an interesting thing is it just takes me around the world to see some world economies. And I've been really blessed to have a chance to get out and talk to lots of folks and work in a lot of economies and help a lot of people, hopefully. Where this is all going to come to meet together in our topic of our show is, is also interesting because obviously we need to talk a little bit about charity. Absolutely. Right. Let's, let's start with just the whole idea that as Christians – Especially as Catholics, we're, we're called to be charitable. And maybe we should talk about what that means. What well, it means to you, especially. That's how actually you and I started talking when you, me, and Robert were sitting down. We just said, you know, a little bit about economic warfare. And I said, well, I'm also involved in a lot of charitable work. I'm on the board of directors and chairman of the Good Shepherd Center, which is a residential treatment facility for developmentally disabled children. I kept saying that with the great budget problems that states are having right now, as an example, that many of the least fortunate people in our society are losing some of the safety net that states used to be able to provide. As an example, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio are running a lot of budget difficulties. And I said, the fact that the states can no longer pay it doesn't absolve me 
as a Catholic of my responsibility to be charitable and continue to help support these worthwhile causes. When you don't have any money, you can't give any money, right? And so really this concept of understanding how we're going to budget, how we're going to make sure that the things that we do uh, fall into a budget in some way, those are going to drive what we're able to do with that budget. Now, of course, we're speaking finances here, and charity involves much more than finances. Uh, you know, it r really involves uh, just acts of love and acts of caring, but it's those same acts of love and caring that drive what we also do with our finances. It, it really does, and, and I can't tell you how important that is because one of the things that, that I've noticed in my lifetime is we've worked with different people and different companies to help them keep out of bankruptcy. When they had money, it was amazing what more able they were able to do. And it's not just about saying, I'm going to give what's left, because that's not the important issue. The important issue is to give what your heart commands you to give and have that true spirit of Christian love and charity in you to want to help someone that's less fortunate. You know, I was in New Orleans uh, right after Hurricane Katrina. We were rebuilding some homes, and I was in a parish. And the parish priest said to all these children who lost their homes that they wanted him to give to their sister church, which was in, South, in Africa. And here were little kids who were, and parents who were digging into their purses and wallets and pants to get quarters and dollars and put them into the collection to help those less fortunate. And I thought, what a real testimony to what I really do have, and maybe I'm not giving until it hurts. And, and so it's important to recognize that, that you want to give for the active spirit of love. Uh, I was mentioned just the other day, I said, I sometimes feel selfish when I'm giving because right. I feel so good when I'm doing it. That's interesting that you would say that because so many of us uh, will try to carve out a little something, right? But we always tend towards carving out something that's not going to hurt. That's right. right. I can afford to give this right now. Now, I know the Lord understands when you don't have the money. Right. You're, you're not expected to write a big check if there's nothing in the bank. In fact, don't bounce a check. <laughs> uh, is that a mortal sin, Robert, to bounce a check uh, to the church? I don't know. But, but the point is we want to make sure that that whole phrase of give till it hurts is really the, the model. It, it is. And if you think about that, it's based on the model of our Savior. Right. He gave till it hurt and, and, and beyond that, right, he, is the greatest model of, of Christian charity. He, he gave up his life for us. I mean, I can't think of a greater act of charity. He, he saved us. And when you look at how many people in this world right now that are really suffering, you know, I look at some senior citizens that are on a fixed income that maybe haven't had a family member come visit them. It, it doesn't always necessarily mean giving money. It, it also means giving your time. Uh, if your neighbor needs, hasn't had a visitor for a while, go visit your neighbor. If, if they don't have enough money to have their... Uh, grass cut or taking the garbage out. Take the garbage out. You've, you've told me before that you had a gentleman say, you know, I'll give you as much money as you want. Just don't ask for more time. I'm a busy man. Right. Right. And that's that's not not the right attitude, obviously. It, it's not. In fact, I actually said to him, I said, I don't want your money. I want your time. And and the reason I wanted his time is because he was really smart and he could help the group that we were working with solve some of our problems. And he did. And, and so at the end, he said, I'm expecting you to now ask me for money. And I said, no, you gave me what we needed. Yeah. And so a lot of times what you're willing to give is, might not necessarily be what somebody else needs. And it doesn't always have to be money. That's really right. We thing. think about that, and we all have this image, uh, especially at Christmas time, when we're walking past, the, we're going into the supermarket, and there's the person with the little red bucket out in front. And we think it's, a, it's sort of a mechanical thing, a gesture. We'll, we'll put some, some loose change in. And... 
And while that's nice, and I, I strongly su- suggest that we continue, maybe let the kids or whatever to, to donate to charitable societies like that, that's fine. But really, sometimes it loses the concept of charity if we don't keep it in the fore. In other words, we don't understand why we're doing it. That mechanical action isn't necessarily, and it's loose change, it's not necessarily hurting. I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying keep the proper perspective about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Absolutely. And always keep in, in back of your mind as you start to think through your charitable giving, why are you doing it? Because your motives are equally as important in all of this, in my mind. And so as, as I'm walking around and talking to my kids about this kind of thing, uh, you know what you, what you want people to do is really to – to be concerned about the other person. It's this idea of selflessness as opposed to selfishness. And it's one slight change of words. Oh, yeah. But, but that self It's huge, though. It is huge. It's just a few few letters, but it makes a huge difference. It's the difference of Jesus Christ being on the cross, right, in a totally selfless way. I mean, exceptionally self, selfless, right? But if what if he had been on the cross and after a couple of hours of, of agony decided, you know what, I, I'm not going to go all the way. Right, I'm going to stop part way. <laughs> that's right. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Oh, that's right. You know, in the Marine Corps, we always talk about selfless sacrifice. The military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, they talk about selfless sacrifice where you're giving of yourself to your family, to your nations, to your community. That's what the church does, and that's what we're doing. Our, our priests, our sisters, uh, the members of the Knights of Malta, uh, other religious orders are giving. Uh, Deacon Jeff, you're giving. In, in what you're doing, this just the the cafe is just having a tremendous impact to connect with everyday Catholics, everyday Americans, everyday Christians that really want to understand what well, faith is see, about. You, you said it earlier, Frank, when you said that you sometimes feel guilty, right, when you give because you're getting so much out of it. Trust me, our involvement in the Catholic cafe and its ministry and whatever it's been so fruitful in my life. It's it's given me so many great feelings, and I think God affirms. A lot of the actions that we've had by letting me see every once in a while and get these wonderful emails from our friendly listeners and whatnot. And, uh, you know, that's a beautiful thing. And so it's easy to do charitable work when you really love it, right? It, it does. But, but that's, that's the important point, though, is because charity doesn't have to be painful that you hate to do it. Right. It's got to be given of your heart and, and given of your spirit and your system and saying, as you know, as a mother would do for a child. That's why I think the Blessed Virgin here in Lourdes has such a huge impact. We're seeing when she says she's the immaculate conception and about loving her son, Jesus, and, and what we can all do as, as Catholics to help one another. It's about giving, and it's about uh, making sure that you have that agape love, making sure you're concerned about another person. And when you do that, when you start looking outwards, uh, I had a sister tell me one time, she said, you know, just make sure you understand that the more you give, the more you're getting returned. And I, I kind of rolled my eyes after I walked right. away until I realized what she was really telling me. Uh, if you put, if you start counting all the chips at the end of the day as just being dollars, that's a pretty hallowed feeling, or a hollow feeling, excuse me. But when you start counting them as the chips being the impact you've had on other people, what a great impression. Then that's a hallowed feeling. Then right? it is a hallowed <laughs> feeling. It becomes, it becomes a holy yeah. experience. I, I said I'm a Marine. I didn't say I was smart with my vocabulary. <laughs> You're doing just fine, Frank. Well, listen, that's great, and those are true words of wisdom. Uh, we should also listen to our religious sisters when they talk to us, right? They, they know what they're talking about. Oh, uh, they do. And so we're going to take a break real quick. Uh, we'll come back and talk some more with Frank Ryan. Before we do that, I want to remind everyone at home that the Catholic Cafe can be found on the web at www.thecatholiccafe.com. You can also email me at deaconjeff at the 
CatholicCafe.com. And so with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. At some point, every Catholic should ask how much he should contribute to the Church and other charities. One of the precepts of the Church requires us to materially support the Church and its work. But how much is the right amount? Have we satisfied our Sunday obligation by dropping a $20 bill into the collection plate? Our views of this should be shaped by reflection upon the teachings of the sacred scriptures. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew people were commanded to tithe or offer one-tenth of their income to support the temple. Almsgiving, or gifts to the poor and needy, were given in excess of the tithe. Thus, 10% of one's income was at a minimum expected. But Jesus challenges his followers to do much more. Recall that Christ told the rich young man, who had kept all the precepts of the Law of Moses, including tithing, that if he wanted to be perfect, to go and sell all his possessions, Give the proceeds to the poor and follow Jesus. Scripture tells us that the man went away from Jesus sad, for he had many possessions. In the Sermon on the Mount, our Lord told his followers that if any man has two coats, to give one to the poor. After the resurrection, the Bible tells us the disciples took all they had and laid their possessions at the feet of the apostles for distribution according to the needs of the members of the early church. These words from the New Testament challenge all believers to do more than mechanically give a tithe. Perhaps the most inspiring story in scripture about giving is the widow's mite. The poor widow gave to the temple one small coin which was all the money she had to buy food. Our Lord told his followers that this widow had given more money than the many wealthy who contributed substantial sums, because the widow had sacrificially given money she needed to live, whereas the wealthy had given from their excess. The message of Jesus is clear. Catholics are called to sacrificially give to the church and to the poor. Sacrificially giving helps us remain poor in spirit, which our Lord exhorts in the Beatitudes. For those with little money, their gifts may not be much in absolute terms, but are substantial in light of what each giver has. For us who have been materially blessed with much, we are expected to sacrificially give much more. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe, actually the French Catholic Cafe here in Lourdes, France. We are still with Frank Ryan. And uh, Frank is helping us along in our, our Economics 101, but our sort of Charitable Giving 101 as well. And uh, joined here with special guest host Robert Hutton. Robert, you were thinking about asking a question about tithing. Well, you, you know, one thing that uh, and I appreciate your insight, Frank, is that, that you know we're supposed to give from the heart. And uh, one question I had, though, a lot of my Protestant friends, you know, are very strict tithers. You see that in the Old Testament about ten percent. I mean, they're very sometimes even to the penny. If I make eighty thousand dollars a year, I give eight thousand dollars to charity. 
And what is the Catholic? Is that the rule of thumb that we should be looking for as Catholics to give 10% of our income? Or, or what do you think about tithing as a form of charity or Robert, a measure of charity? Robert, as, as Deacon Jeff said, as you're walking by the, let's say, Salvation Army uh, bin and you put money in, it's not to say I don't want somebody to do that. But my experience as a certified public accountant and in all these other things is that many times the 10% becomes a limit rather than the floor. So in other words, if, as an example, if you've got the ability to give a lot more than 10%, if you use just a straight 10% formula, you run the risk of not giving what you should. 10% might be what the average is of society. Many, many pastors of Catholic parishes would love to have right. 10%. So we don't want to discourage people from giving 10%. But your point is well taken about it being better to be a floor than a ceiling. In fact, most hey, Catholics don't give that much, do they? Right. Well, i got to tell you, the cash register just rang as soon as I could use that 10%. So <laughs> we, I, ho- I was hoping somebody's getting that 10% out of the register. Oh, no, well, all that money goes to charity. It now, does. So that's good. Well, that's the way we're supposed to do this here. But what happens, though, is that when you look at it, and it, uh, again, the priest would love to get 10%, and I know many ministers would love to get 10% as well. But what happens is if somebody limits themselves to 10%, you, you look at an average of 10%, there's a big difference. Because you've got a lot of people, and I'll specifically tell you, the recipients of care and charity help uh, might not have the, the ability. I, I look at so many young families, and I don't know how they're doing it. When I was raising my family, it was significantly less expensive. Young families today are struggling, and it, w- it might be very difficult for family to do 5%, 2%, 1%, but they can perform charitable acts in other ways. One, help develop their children. Two, help bring a meal to a friend. Visit their parents if they don't know to do that. But what happens on the other side of it for people who have the financial resources I'm, I'm concerned that 10% becomes the cop-out. Do you think, Frank, that's because people don't know the difference between what we need and what we want? In other words, they develop a lifestyle where they're finding two or three homes and a, and a, and a boat and all, and, oh, well, I don't have any money left over. You, you know, it's interesting when you, when you look at it and, and you start to see some of the problems that people are having financially. Because a lot of people right now in these times are having really tough financial times. Uh, there are a lot of people, though, that are, on, that are doing fairly well financially that are living in according to what they want versus what they need. It's and a challenge, and we need to look is. at that. It is. And that's why that – but, the, again, that's why instead of worrying about a number, you know, either how much did I give or, or let me see what my charitable contributions were and what percentage of my income were they, et cetera, to see where I rank on the tithing scale, we need to give what we value most, right? We need to give either our, ourselves our time like that gentleman. We want your time. We don't want your money. But then for others who give a lot of time, you know, if they can muster some money and it's something they need, and they say, well, you know, instead of uh, taking my family out to dinner, I think I'm going to give this money to the poor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the other thing that that I get concerned about is sometimes when you use the term tithing and straight 10 percent, it really overlooks the fact that giving can be done in so many other different ways. Driving someone somewhere, driving an indigent person to the grocery store. Uh, helping somebody in so many other ways. Well, we're here, have to be we're here in Lourdes, and we see this image. I don't know if everyone who's listening understands what goes on here, but you know, this is a place of healing, and there are people that are in dire need of healing, right? That come, and there are those people that are here out of the generosity and uh, spirit of humility, coming to assist those. They give their time, and they're they're pushing carts through the city, 
right? And treating these malads as if they're kings and queens, which they are in the sight of God. And, and it's a beautiful thing. And that right there was worth more than any clink in any bucket, right, out in front of any supermarket. That's, that is a gift given that really calls us to uh, live a life of Christ. It, it does. It was about three years ago I came to Lourdes, and one of the people I was pulling to carts was a senior government official. And, and I looked at him, and I said, yeah, I said, don't I know you and uh, know of you? And, and, he's, and he just kind of waved his hand to, like, don't go there. And I was talking to him later, and he said, he said, Frank, I'm here to do things and not be recognized for it. He said, the minute I start doing things to get public recognition, the reason for doing it is wrong. And so I, I said, I'm really impressed. And he said, well, I said, I would hope that you would just not share that with anyone else, that it was me that was said that to you. Who was that? So we can – I'm kidding. I know, I know. I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know you don't, we aren't going to do that. Well, you know, you see those tokens, right? You see the, the, in terms of like someone making sure they're holding their Bible so you know they're holy. Right. Right? And, and that's not what we're called to do. Yes, we're called to hold Bibles. We're called to read them. We're called to be Christians, right? But really it's that living that Christian life. That's going to speak a lot louder than uh, how we dress or, or what book we happen to be holding at oh, the time. And that's right. It goes back to this idea of selfless sacrifice. Because if you're going back and, and you're going beyond the tithing, one year you may be able to give 40% of your income. Let me ask you the corollary question I always run into is how much when you're dividing up your charitable giving, obviously we have an obligation to support our, our parish, our diocese, our church, and then there are all these other Catholic charitable causes. Do you set up percentages for well, that? Yeah, or, or well, well, you... really the issue right there, Robert, I mean, you're speaking to is some people I've heard will say, well, I don't like that Bishop so-and-so said this, and so I'm not supporting his appeal, or I, I don't like our pastor, whatever, you know, and for whatever reason, they decide they want to change what they're going to do because they're upset with some particular action that doesn't suit their uh, their taste. You know, as, as Americans, we always vote with our feet and with our pocketbooks, don't we? And so that's a, that's a good question. Like, which thing is more worthy? How do you decide where, where you're going to give uh, to your parish? You're going to give it all to the diocese and let them distribute it? Or are you going to give it to all the other people? You know, how do you do all that? When you look at the 12 apostles, one of the 12 apostles denied Christ three times. And upon this church, a rock, and this rock, a church was built. And if Christ is willing to forgive us for our transgressions, being tremendously concerned about what one person does and holding back on charitable contributions and withholding the funds for that reason, I would ask that person to pray, and I'll, I'll be happy to pray with them as well. And I, I've had similar thoughts, and I've sat back in retrospect and said, that wasn't right of me to do that. I think Robert was also kind of getting at, you know, there's a lot of people vying for uh, for charitable contributions, right? There's a lot of very, very good and valid uh, places to put our money. How do we decide what's the best? Well, let me tell you what I've done in that case because it's a great question. I get asked it fairly often. Um, I decided to get active because of my financial expertise with the audit committee of a diocese. And I've said, you know, I think it's important that I can help because what I found out is that fundraising costs are very, very expensive. And so what I've done is we've sat down with the diocese and said, okay, what is it that we can do to streamline the fundraising costs so that when money is given, it doesn't cost as much money administratively to get to it? And so we streamline that. So if you've got the the, the legal ability, the financial ability to advise your diocese or your parish on, on these kind of things, get active in that role. And, and I'm going to tell you why that's important. That way, there may be fewer going, fewer requests going out. But I always recommend to support your, di- your parish first. 
because your parish is one that really needs it, and then your diocese. But make sure that you've thought about it in advance. It's, it's planned giving, planful giving, uh, which kind of ties into a little bit of the tithing concept, but you're mentally thinking through. I just don't want you to stop at 10%, and if you can't do 10%, I don't want you to go the other way and do zero. Right. And, and so what you do is you sit back and say, what is it can we do? And then think about it. What are those causes where I think I can have the biggest effect? Uh, and at the same time, then, I would also ask all the people who are the recipients on the other side is to say, what is it do I truly need? Every time a new organization gets set up, is it, is it a good idea that we do this? Do, or should we wrap it underneath the auspices of, say, Catholic Charities, the Order of Malta, our parish? Can we do it a different way than setting up just setting up another organization? Because I'd be the first one to tell you, I probably get 15 to 20 solicitations a month. And I finally had to say, okay, what are the ones that I feel I can consistently support and I've then allocated the funds that way and done it that way. Well, those are all those are wise words. But I guess the, the overarching thing that we need to remember is that's a good problem to have, like where to give my money. That's correct. The, the point is that we, we do need to, to be charitable. And whether it's money or uh, something that can be much more valuable but time and effort, we're, we need to give something. We need to give, and we need to give till it hurts, right? That's the most important concept out there because we need to be like Jesus. You, you know, one of the greatest feelings I've ever had as a dad is when my son said to me one time, he said, Dad, the same question you asked, Robert, and he said, how do you know how to allocate your funds with the charity? And I said, the mere fact that you asked that question <laughs> makes <laughs> me feel so good. <laughs> you, did, you did something good, Frank. Well, my wife did. <laughs> I'll, I'll give her credit where credit is due. So I'm not that smart. I'll be the first one to admit that. That's fantastic. Well, Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. You've given us some, uh, some good things to think about. Right? This is food for thought because we all need to evaluate what do we do in terms of charity? What do we, are, we, are we giving money? Are we giving enough money? Are we worried too much about money and not about other kinds of giving and uh, time and maybe things that we don't use around the home anymore that have great value to someone else? Uh, those are good things to think about. Absolutely. And Deacon Jeff and Robert, let me just tell you, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. But also, I would just tell you, I, I've never had such a great feeling in my life of looking out and seeing the impact that we can have as Catholics when we reach out and help other people. That's what this is all about. At the end of the day, when everything's all finished, it's not whether or not you have two homes or a boat or a really nice car. It's have you done something that's mattered to another human being to make their life a little bit easier to act in the way that Christ has acted us when he died on the cross. I'll amen that uh, big time. Thank you so much, Thank Frank. We appreciate it. Thanks again, and I really enjoyed being here with you. Thank you. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the gifts you've given us, especially the gift of your Son, given as ransom for our sins. Help us to see in Jesus the perfect model of charity and to strive to live our lives in humility and generous love for others. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.